Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 5, Episode 3. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And continuing our series for Season 5, which is... Uh, the ter- Sorry? The top 30 horror movies of the 20th century. We're counting down from 30 to 1. Uh, today we're doing 24, 23 and 22. Indeed so. Uh, we've got some corkers. A, we have got some corkers. So for a roundup of what we've done so far... Um, See previous episodes. Gremlins. Oh, no, OK. You can yes. remember. Hold on. I can remember. I've got, I've got the list in front oh, of me. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> At number 30, we've got Gremlins. Uh-huh. At number 29, uh, Near Dark. Sounds all right. Yeah. Uh, 28, Altered States. Uh, sounds, yeah, I don't know, a bit... Um, OK. And then uh, we're on to we're on to three more that uh, you were very enthusiastic about. Uh, mm-hmm. Number twenty seven, Hellraiser. Yeah, I think it's fine. Number twenty six, The Blair Witch Project. Amazing. Yes, and number twenty five, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, great. Great, but uh, I think notable on this list because of it being a psychological horror movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and probably because not not enough people saw it. I think. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Today, um, I used the phrase, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. And then I had to dig out the, <laughs> the YouTube clip of that bit from A Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, uh, now, it yeah. reminded me of what this list is all about. It's about yeah, horror. We, we have done that quote on this show before, but can you do it in the voice <laughs> just for our listener? I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. And then, of course... <laughs> is it that or is it... No, it's not. Or is not. it more kind of... <laughs> I'm your boyfriend now. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, it's much. That's much better. Um, and then but also, laughing. But also, then there's the. <laughs> <laughs> the tongue coming out of the telephone. Yeah. Wow. We that's... should explain what mo- what movie is that from? It's from a Nightmare on Elm Street. I did say that a minute ago. Is it from the first one? Yes. It is. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I know this because my uh, student band made a song called Freddy. Uh, which featured a number of samples from Oh, nice! A Nightmare on Elm Street. Not one Excellent. of our best songs, but but the samples were ace. Yeah, I mean they were very poor quality, yeah. taken from a bad VHS videotape playing through a bad TV and recorded onto a uh, an uh, even cassette, worse tape, a cassette record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, the source material was high quality. Excellent. Excellent. So we got. Uh, have you got the um, Good Robot Andy's website available to you? I have. Yes. We uh, we had some actual feedback this week. Some actual feedback. Shall we have a quick From an visit? Actual listener. Yeah. I quick. I click the link. And the the Good Robot Andy's website was slow to respond, but it's now responded. Yeah. So Is we that got because a... there aren't enough people in in your DNS area. Possibly, or it's just rubbish <laughs> in some way. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there was a comment from uh, I what what possibly is pronounced Raukage, uh saying he loves the podcast. Uh, so thank you, Raukage. Uh, it's very nice to hear someone's listening. And also a comment from Kathy. Um, oh wow! Saying saying she's enjoying it because it uh, this series season five allows her to find out about these films without having to watch them. Though she does say. <laughs> She does say, listening to the descriptions on her own in the evening is freaking her out slightly. Hey, that's good. Which I find really, 
I'm really excited to hear that. Yeah, I'm excited too because uh, yeah, that's great. She did. Okay. Um, she did say she did see Gremlins, and she thinks she agrees with what I said about it, which I was oh. kind of like meh. Um, okay. And then uh, she also mentioned something that I had a quite an entertaining time reading a bit of Wikipedia because of the link she posted. Uh-huh. Um, she, she, she mentioned that in when we were talking about Hellraiser, I talked about the the female survivor. Yeah. Um, uh, she said it's, it's well discussed in feminist film theory, and, and they call it the final girl. So I wasn't aware of that that no. name. I always call it um, the survivor. The, the final girl. Okay, so that's interesting because most, I would say that most horror movies feature. A woman in peril mm-hmm. who then ends up being the only person left. Alien mm-hmm. is a very good example of that. Yeah, and then um, sometimes it Texas turns chainsaw. Yeah, and also they're saying on that on that web page, the Wikipedia page, which is linked from the. If you go to our Good Robot Andy's blog, guys, you'll um, you'll find the the discussion in the comments on uh, episode two of season five. And yeah. there's a link. There's yeah. a link there to the. Also, I tweeted it earlier. Um, but yeah, it talks about that. It talks about how the um, how Sarah Connor in Terminator is also a final girl. But of course, yes, in both Terminator and Alien, in the sequels, it definitely becomes less girls. less stereotypical than that. Oh yeah, that's true. Because in well, in Aliens, Ripley survives along with Newt and a dismembered Bishop mm-hmm. and Hicks, who yeah. is injured. Yeah, I didn't just mean the survivors, though. I meant they, the role they play as a kind of helpless... Oh, I see. Um, but she's very much not helpless in Aliens. Yeah, so it, yeah, they talk about how it, it's developed a bit. So it started off that basically they're they kind of theorising the reason that it's a girl is because it's kind of distressing for viewers to see a man who's that scared. So it's okay yeah, to see a girl true. who's that scared. That's what they, that's what they claim. And then, yeah. so that continued. It became a thing, right, that it's always a girl that survives. But then the girls start getting tougher and, and saving herself rather than being um, just get saved by some man, which is what it's like in the early films. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's all very interesting. I really enjoyed yeah. reading the Wikipedia page about it because it mentions loads of films that I love. <laughs> so it was just well, fun. I would, I would say that the, um, the 80s, some of the 80s uh, sort of iconic horror directors, some of whom feature in our list, um, won't tell you which movies or indeed which directors, but they ended up subverting that yeah, and maybe driving that forward. Uh, and also 70s as well, so the likes of Toby Hooper, uh, John Carpenter, mm-hmm. um, yeah. definitely drove, you know, instead of having the helpless woman, uh, they would definitely have the woman as protagonist, as fighting back. So Nancy in... Nightmare on Elm Street is an example of that, uh, as is... Yeah, but Nancy's um, a terrible example of the, like, moral purity is the only way you survive thing. That yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, yes. That, that is true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, should we crack on with our first movie tonight? Well, we probably but should I, I also wanted it. to say, I <laughs> wanted to say thank you, to the, thank you for the feedback, folks. Yeah. Uh, we'd thank like you. more of it, if, if you can. Yes, um, please. Oh, Kathy- we, go, we can... We can go off on tangents like this again. Yeah, Kathy also mentions that she has seen Scream and she thinks it should be on the list. But given that she hasn't seen any of the others, how would she know it was better? Well, quite. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, but yeah, thanks uh, for the feedback. So yeah, I wanted to say yeah, thank you to the people who gave feedback. We'd like it's more. Very very exciting. Uh, I'd like to say that uh, we, um, the the good robot Andy's. I replied to um to one of the pieces of feedback saying, "Tell your friends. Tell all your friends." <laughs> The uh, the good robot Andy's clapped their hands like stereotypical Japanese schoolgirls uh, when they saw that you had commented, listener. So, yes, thank you. Because um, even though we do this just for ourselves, we want you to love us <laughs> so much. So, so much. much. Should we crack on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this is uh, number twenty-four on the list. It is the. Oldest film on the list by Ooh. some margin. Ooh. Hang on, let um, me guess. Let me guess. Okay, yeah, go, go. Uh, oh, I was, well, I was going to say um, Night of the Living Dead, but it's not going to be. It's going to be something that's too old for me to like, like um, um, the original Dracula or something. Oh, yeah, okay. So you're on the right track there. What is it? You're on the right track. It's Nosferatu. Right. That's the original all Dracula. All the way back, uh, it is, and I'll go into the, I'll go into why it's called Nosferatu and, um, and that in a minute. Awesome. From all the way back in 1922, so it's silent. It's the only silent movie on the list. Ah. Um, it's a German expressionistic horror film, directed by F. W. Murnau, starring Max Schreck, as the vampire Count Orlock. Is it the Who first is? ever horror film? Uh, I'm I'm not 100 sure on that actually because I have done zero or well, almost zero research <laughs> for this podcast. Um, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Uh, it was shot in 1921 and released in 1922. It was an unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula that was mm-hmm. published in 1897. Mm. Uh, various names and other details were changed from the novel. Uh, for instance, the word vampire became Nosferatu and Count Dracula becomes Count Orlock. Mm. Uh, so Stoker's... It, um, it's, you say it's like 24 years after the book was published. Uh, yeah, so Stoker's heirs uh, sued over the adaptation and a court ruling ordered that all copies of the film be destroyed. Mm. However, a few prints survived and that's why it still exists. You can watch it on YouTube um, because it's in the public domain. Which is what I did. Wow. Because I'd never seen it before. Um, but I knew I had to put it on the list because it is so iconic. And mm-hmm. it, it features so many iconic scenes that have been, no, uh, copied mm. since then. Is it quite short? It is short, yes. Yeah, an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, is it quite definitely... long then? Okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. no. No, That's 94 fairly... minutes. 94 minutes. Oh, Wow. Gosh, yeah. how can you how can you tolerate something that long with no words? I'll go into that. So I okay. am I am not a fan of silent movies. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few. Um, in fact, I used to watch on um, TV back in the seventies. I used to watch repeats of Harold Lloyd shorts. Okay, I really enjoyed those. Really enjoyed them. Actually, I think uh, enjoyed the sort of physical comedy and the slapstick of it all. But a whole 90-minute film is quite an ask for mm. me because I'm not a fan of silent movies. And what? because to me, there's a barrier to enjoying it these days. For me personally, I know that lots of people really enjoy silent movies and want to 
curate them and keep them going, which is an important thing to do because they are part of film history. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, there's a barrier to it, and that barrier is that the artifice and the, particularly the performances are very, very heightened. Yes. And quite it's hammy. It's almost as bad as going standards. to see the Royal Shakespeare Company do a Shakespeare yeah, it's that play. Kind, it's way hammier than that. Nightmare. So, uh, and there's quite a lot of gurning and um, <laughs> yeah. e- expressionistic coarse acting in um, yes. in in Nosferatu. Now, some of it's entirely correct for what's going on. So, mm-hmm. um, for people who don't know the story of Dracula, uh, it follows this plot pretty closely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a young man who is not called Jonathan Harker. He's called something else. Uh, who goes to Transylvania to organise the affairs of a Count Orlock, who lives in a council, a uh, council, council house, a castle <laughs> up in the mountains. That, that's the, some of the details they changed. They changed that from council house to um, castle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, all of the details are there of Dracula. It's it is the same story basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he's there, uh, Count Orlock slash Dracula sees a picture of Harker's fiance, uh Mina, and falls in love with her. Um, so much, so familiar. Um, but, uh, so what ensues is uh, Harker arranges for Count Orlock to move to England. Well, actually, it's not England. It's not actually specified as a country that he moves to, but I presume it is supposed to be England. Mm-hmm. Um... And the ship that he's on, that Orlok is on, all of the sailors fall ill except for two who then go mad. At the end, one of them throws throws himself off the ship and the other one goes mad. And that, that's a scene in which the sort of coarse heightened acting is very effective because mm-hmm. it's kind of in keeping with what's going on in the film. Yeah. Um, and Orlok then really, um, begins to terrorise the uh, the local populace and indeed Mina, who is Harker's fiance. Mm-hmm. There's also a, Ren- a Renfield-type character who's in a, a sane asylum. And again, there the sort of heightened acting is very effective. You know, Renfield is supposed to be this madman who eats flies and says that someone's going to come and make him immortal and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. that's actually very effective in it. Um and the, the the actor who plays Orlock is um, a guy called Max Schreck, who I believe I've heard of him. Shares the same name as the main protagonist of Batman Returns, who's played by Christopher Walken. Is uh, Max Schreck is uh, why is a guy walking around looking like Batman? <laughs> I sound like uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, but. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's why I've heard of Max Schreck. Yeah, so so Max Schreck uh, is the actor who plays Nosferatu slash Count Orlock slash Count Dracula. Mm-hmm. He shares a character name in Batman Returns. Um, so uh, the the Count Orlock look is pale and bold with big sticky out teeth, just like the vampire in Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Which I don't think I've seen. You've never seen it? Okay, so uh, it's Is it good? a pretty good mini-series from the 70s. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Pretty scary. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's um, not at all particularly human-looking, you know, quite evil-looking character. 
And uh, certainly the scene, even in a black and white movie with no dialogue, the scene in the castle, this is quite a famous scene in Dracula, where Harker cuts himself whilst he is shaving. And Count Orlock just stares at it and says, the blood, it is the life, you must be careful. Like this, you know, you see the dialogue on the screen. It's really creepy. It's really, really well done. Um, So the director makes great use of shadow and silhouette and mood and tone and there's a lot of that going on in this film it's very visually imaginative um and has inspired so many films since then and parodies and uh you know you can see its influence from 1922 all the way to the present day and the way that people shoot things Mm. um uh so i enjoyed it quite a lot more than i thought i would i know you know i had to watch it for this podcast to talk mm-hmm. about it but for i did you, enjoy listener. it i think that i should imagine that at the time it would have been a thrilling experience to see it at a cinema mm. yeah i mean if you something. weren't used to watching things and then there's this huge screen with this scary yeah person on it and lots of black and stuff right yeah lots of black and white um sorry not lots of silhouette lots of um darkness lots of black and, and white yeah, lots probably. of black and white <laughs> probably there is. Is, there's quite a funny moment when um Harker gets to the... I'm just using the word, his name, Harker, because he is basically that. He gets to what is Transylvania, that we know as Transylvania, Mm -hmm. and um, he walks into an inn, another famous scene from Dracula, walks into an inn and says, Drinks for everyone, I'm going to see Count Orlok. And the whole bar turns very slowly to look at him. (laughs) And the barman walks up to him and says, you know, something like, oh, you know... you shouldn't go up there. You should stay the night tonight. Don't go out in the dark. There's things out there like werewolves. And then we cut to what is supposed to be a werewolf, but is clearly like a shaggy... Um, uh, uh, what, did I, what did I identify it as? A, um, a hyena, like a shaggy-looking <laughs> hyena, just wandering around <laughs> like some woods. They've just done a bit of... They've, they've got a dog, a hyena out of a zoo and just shot it in the woods kind of thing. Um, and that appears another couple of times during the film. It's kind of incongruous, but I guess at the time not many people would have recognised it for what it was. Mm-hmm. These days, you know, you've got nature programmes to kind of help you identify exotic animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite a, an amusing moment. That's the only kind of wild animal that we see in the film. Um, mm-hmm. Uh it's good. It's really good. I think uh, if uh, there are various versions of it on YouTube that you can watch. I watched how much, one... How much dialogue is there on, on writing? Um, not that much, really. And most of it is done through, mm-hmm. you know, people looking at camera or looking at each other and, and conveying emotion, which is what Silent Movie was all about. Mm. So there aren't that many title cards, really, telling you what's going on. Mm-hmm. I should think that most of the time people would have been cowering in fear, mm-hmm. mainly at the coarse acting that's mm-hmm. going on. There's a lot of mugging to camera. When you're talking about the acting, it made me think, uh, I probably shouldn't talk much about it because you never know, it might come somewhere later on the list. I don't know what, what's on the list, but it made me think of Psycho. And in particular, I went to an exhibition where they played uh, Psycho over 24 hours really, really slowly. Oh, I think I've heard of that, yeah. It was called 24 Hour Psycho. And, okay, yes, I have heard of that, yeah. <laughs> uh, I went where there was a bit where she was just looking out the window. And the acting okay. there is just so 
uh, different from that kind of silent movie acting. You know, it's 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 minimal going for realism, and uh, yeah, I much much prefer that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. I think unless you're going into something where you expect everything to be heightened, then you want you know you want some realistic displays of emotion on screen rather than ham. Mm, and there was ham. a great deal of ham in Nosferatu. So, you know, uh, plus points are, it's massively influential. It's mm. visually, at times, extremely visually striking. I feel like I should watch it. I don't think I will. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm, maybe our listeners seen it. If they haven't, then maybe this, you know, it's not hard to find it. It's on YouTube. Um, interestingly, it was remade in 1979 by Werner Herzog. Ah, the Werner Herzog. The, the Werner Herzog he remade uh, Nosferatu. It was called Nosferatu the Vampire. And it starred Klaus Kinski, his um, regular collaborator and insane partner in film. <laughs> so Kinski was uh, Count Orlok. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have seen bits of that on TV, and it looks um, it looks rather good. So yeah. I think I should be seeking that out at some point. Yeah. To watch. Um, so yeah, okay, Nosferatu so, is basically Dracula. So the question good. the question is why does this deserve to be on the list? Okay, um, it's hugely influential. It's arguable that a lot of the films on this list maybe wouldn't be here if it hadn't been made. Mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah, and it may even if it isn't the first horror film, it's the the earliest one that people remember because of yeah. its influence. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a bit of a sweeping bold statement to say that these films, some of these films, wouldn't have been made if Nosferatu had never been made. But maybe they wouldn't look and feel the way they do mm. because it's so influential. I mean, I've heard people talk about uh, the latest Jurassic World movie, which I haven't seen yet, and I. Um, which is directed by Juan Antonio Bayona, who is a you know a cinephile director. You know he loves film, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and apparently there's a scene in that that is a direct lift from Nosferatu. Right. Well. So uh, if Nosferatu hadn't been made, that scene wouldn't exist in a Jurassic World movie. So uh, you know uh, mm. its influence is felt far and wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's next? What's next? Indeed. So that was number twenty-four and uh, number twenty-three. We have another reasonably old film from 1956. We have a black and white movie called The Invasion, or sorry, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ah, which I don't think I've seen, but I know the name very, very well. So this is the first version of uh, this story. Uh, This this movie has been made at least three times, remade at least three times since then. Wow. Uh, probably most notably in the, I think there's one from the 80s called Invasion of the, maybe it's called The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, directed by Philip Kaufman and starring Donald Sutherland, Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum, mm. uh, Leonard Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy, uh, et al. Uh, but this one doesn't star any of them. This one was directed by Don Siegel, mm-hmm. who would go on to make uh, another iconic movie. Uh, called Dirty Harry. Ah. With Clint that's Eastwood. That's I've heard of him. Yeah. So, yeah, Don Siegel's a bit of a legend. You know, He's he worked with Eastwood quite a lot. But this is a... This uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is definitely an iconic p- 
piece of work and does actually feature, I would say, some quite heightened hysterical acting. Mm-hmm. Is it that kind is qu- of sort of a zombie movie? Mm, kind of sort of, but also kind of sort of an allegory for communists as well. Right. Like so many um, American horror and sci-fi movies, it's about the Red Menace right, and okay. how they're c- coming to get you and, you mm-hmm. know, that kind watch of thing. Out. Yeah. yeah, watch out. They're about. So um, uh, it stars Kevin McCarthy and uh, Dana Winter, or Dana Winter. It's black and white. It was uh, partially done in a film noir style, so a sort of um, hard-boiled detective style mm-hmm. where nobody is particularly very likeable. It's that kind of tone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's from um, a 1954 science fiction novel by Jack Finney called The Body Snatchers. So, I like it already. Yeah. And it, the storyline concerns an extraterrestrial invasion that begins in the fictional California town of Santa Mira, So aliens' plant spores have fallen from space and grown into large seed pods, each one capable of reproducing a duplicate replacement copy of each human. As each pod reaches for development, it assimilates the physical characteristics, memories and personalities of each sleeping persona. And these duplicates, however, are devoid of all human emotion. Little by little, a local doctor, who's played by McCarthy, uncovers this quiet invasion and attempts to stop it. There's a not very good Electric Dreams, which is the same plot. Oh, is there? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the slang expression, pod people, that arose in the 20th century uh, references the emotionless duplicate scene in the film. Mm. Uh, so it was selected in 1994 for preservation in the United States National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw this, I think, in the 1970s uh, on BBC Two. <laughs> well, I've seen it since then, but the first time I saw it was in the 70s on BBC Two, when BBC Two did a season of sci-fi movies. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, arguably a sci-fi horror, mm-hmm. but it's from that era when they could show it at like six o'clock on a Tuesday evening or something. Um and uh, it, they showed they showed this along with things like Forbidden Planet and The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is another fantastic science mm-hmm. fiction movie directed by Robert Wise. This is definitely proper horror, though, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, oh, yeah, it's properly scary. It, it's, it's just very, got a sci-fi plot. It's basically a horror it's, film. It's got a sci-fi plot, but it's definitely a sense of creeping dread about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so the plot is that Kevin McCarthy is a um, uh, what is he? He is a I just read it out. He's a local doctor. Yeah. So he um, he uh, we first see him when a man is brought into hospital who's you know hysterical screaming saying that they're coming to get us and all this kind mm-hmm. of thing. He agrees to listen to his story and the man man identifies. Oh no, sorry. We begin. With a fl- okay, it's a flashback. So we meet Kevin McCarthy's doctor at the beginning of the film, and he is ranting and raving and saying that they're coming to get us. And then he tells the story of what's happened mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he, we then flash back, and he's um, seeing patients who he believes are suffering from uh, something called cap cap grass delusion. 
the belief that their relatives have somehow been replaced with identical-looking imposters, mm-hmm. when in fact they have been replaced mm-hmm. by identical-looking imposters. Which but is nobody knows that yet. Yeah, very convenient, yeah. Um, he believes that they are merely an epidemic of mass hysteria, mm-hmm. like um, something in The Crucible or something like that. Mm-hmm. But what he, what he slowly begins to realise is that there's something else going on here when um, people who have died mysteriously disappear and then reappear seemingly okay, but kind of not quite themselves and completely devoid of emotion. And more of these people keep appearing. And um, the film uh, the film then carries on in, in that sort of tone with him basically being on the run and not being able to trust anybody. Mm-hmm. And it ends with one of the most um, incredible scenes from, from any movie, really, where he is... Um, he sees a transport truck bound for San Francisco filled with pods and he screams at passing motorists, they're here already, they're here, you're next, you're next, running up to the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a fantastic performance, really. It's really something. Um, and uh, he is then found in a wrecked truck <clears throat> buried under a load of giant seed pods. And finally, um, somebody who is human alerts the FBI to what's going on. And presumably, if they haven't already been replaced, the FBI, something's going to kick off. So that's that's <laughs> basically the story. Mm-hmm. Is it leaves it open-ended about what's going to happen. Mm. Um, it's really good. It's um, the sense of creeping dread, you know, the, the allegorical... Um, the Russians are coming to take over and, you know, replace your family with communists. Mm-hmm. It's a very pointed narrative for the time, but you can also see it as just a straight sci-fi of, you know, seed pods coming to replace us all kind of thing. So is In it quite boring, given, given that it's quite old? Is it fairly boring? No, it's really good. It cracks along at a rare old pace. Mm. Um, I'm just going to have a look at its running time, actually. Uh, running time 80 minutes look at that right an hour and 20 minutes it's lean and mean B-movie length yeah definitely yeah Um, but because it's directed by Don Siegel who knew what he was doing it elevates itself above what you would normally consider to be schlocky B-movie affair Mm -hmm. and uh, it's actually very well put together so why has it been remade so much um, I think it's a pretty interesting story mm-hmm. and it stands up to, you know, even though I, I would say that the remakes are generally inferior, mm-hmm. <coughs> it stands up to um, multiple remakes because you can move the story to different locations, you can change some of the details, but it's fundamentally the same and that it's that fear, the same as vampirism, the same as um, any kind of like body horror movie it's the fear of being replaced by something else becoming something else against your will right yeah and Uh, and the fear that everyone else is yes and you don't know who is and who isn't yeah 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 in this in the um remake in this i'm trying to think when it was i'm gonna have to look it up in a minute but um 
in the remake, you can tell the people who have been changed, uh, if they detect a normal human, they just stand and point their finger at you and scream, <laughs> which is very well done in, in the remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then there have been at least two more remakes. There was one by Abel Ferrara and another one more recently, which I think is called The Invasion or just Invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't seen that. I've seen the Abel Ferrara one and thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good. So um, that is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And why does it belong in this list? Um, well, I think like like Nosferatu, it is iconic and massively influential. Uh, I think, again, there are movies that are on this list that maybe wouldn't exist if this one hadn't existed already. Yeah, I feel like that. Even, whole, even, yeah. I don't think I've seen it all. I'm pretty sure I've seen some of it, but yeah, it, it, the name comes up so often. It seems to be yeah. like part of the bedrock of the whole of movie making. Yeah, it's it's terrific stuff. It really is good. And I think um, if listener hasn't seen it, listener should definitely seek out the original. I think the quite like the, to see um, the, um, the Donald Southern remake is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little bit rambling, and it doesn't have the lean 80-minute running time of the original. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, the original is something you could knock off in 80 minutes, you know. It's, uh, and if you don't like it, you've only lost 80 minutes, whereas the remake is a little bit more rambling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, not as good. Right, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's iconic and fantastic. Something which, there's four versions of something. It feels like you should just sit and watch them all. Yeah, watch the first one. Well, actually, you could watch them in chronological order of when they were made. Yeah. And try and see what people are trying to bring to it in different eras. It's like Shakespeare. Yeah, only better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Shakespeare, only better. Yeah, exactly. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's like Shakespeare, only better. And that they should put number, that on the poster. They should. That was number 23. The last film for this evening is number 22. Number 22. So this is from, <coughs> excuse me, 1973. Mm-hmm. It is British. Mm-hmm. Um, another iconic movie. I'm sort of putting three iconic movies together this evening. Another one that maybe other movies wouldn't have existed without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is The Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Amazing film would be... At least in my top ten, maybe my top five. Yeah, it is amazing. In fact, I, I again, I saw this on TV like fifteen years ago, probably, um, and was absolutely just utterly blown away by it. First time I watched it was at a cinema. Was it? Obviously, many many years after it came out. Yeah. Okay. At yeah. an art house cinema. Mm-hmm. Full of people who knew it almost off by heart, and they were mm. they were chuckling and laughing away at all the kind of um, hilarious seventies-ish stuff. And there is a lot of that in here. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that is supposed to be laughed at. Uh, well, there's um, there's quite a lot that maybe wasn't supposed to be laughed at, but they were laughing at as well. I don't know. Um, but I was just petrified. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrifying, isn't it? And the conclusion, I just couldn't couldn't believe it was going to end up and I just couldn't believe it when it ended up there it was amazing 
Yeah. It really is amazing. Yeah. So, um, this was, yeah, released in 1973. I'm just going, uh, scrolling back up because I want to talk about the restoration of this film later on. But, um, directed by Robin Hardy, it stars Edward, Edward Woodward, or Ewa Woodward, as he's also known, uh, Britt Eklund, Diane Cliento, Ingrid Pitt, and Christopher Lee in Christopher Lee many in, would say yeah. would be one of his iconic roles. Christopher it's pretty Lee. amazing, yeah. yeah. As well, Lord Summer's Isle. I think Edward Woodward is just amazing. He is terrific in it, isn't he? Yeah. He's like the voice of reason, and that reason is steadfast until the very end of the film <laughs> when he loses his mind completely. <laughs> For good reason. Yeah. Um, so the screenplay by Anthony Schaefer, inspired by David Pinner's 1967 novel, Ritual. So it centres on the visit of police sergeant Neil Howell to the isolated island of Summers Isle in search of a missing girl. Is it Howell or Howie? Howie. Howie is a devout Christian, is appalled to find that the inhabitants of the island have abandoned Christianity and now practice a form of Celtic or Celtic paganism. Paul Giovanni composed the film score. Um, so that is, that is the plot. He is uh, searching for a missing girl and <coughs> his search is basically fruitless. No one will talk about this missing girl at all. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her name? Rowan. Rowan Morrison is her name. Um, she gets name-checked a lot because he goes and says to everybody, have you seen Rowan Morrison? And people either say she never existed or that she's disappeared. Um, and he eventually... And there's this uh, creeping sense that... Yeah. That, that they all know something or, you know, something. Yes. There's a joke um, he's not in on. No, he's not in on it at all, and he is not amused by any of this stuff at all. Um, and whilst he's staying at the Green Man Inn, Howie notices a series of photographs celebrating the annual harvest, each featuring a young girl as the May Queen. <coughs> and the photograph of the most recent celebration is suspiciously missing, and the landlord tells him it was broken. Um, the landlord's beautiful daughter, Willow, played by Britt Eklund, attempts to seduce Howie, but he refuses her advances. Uh, in fact, there's a, a very, again, an iconic scene in the hotel mm-hmm. when Britt Eklund is cavorting in the room next door to him, <laughs> and he is trying to resist her pagan pagan um, advances. Yeah, and that was the is, part where the... Um the people in the cinema were really rolling about. Yeah, I mean, it, I suppose it is funny. I I found it. Yeah, I suppose it. You know, I suppose it is funny. I mean, it's. I suppose it's funny in the way that it's so kind of in your face and kind of extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really well done. Oh, because it's brilliant. you feel yeah. you feel his anguish and his kind of yeah. he's trying to resist her, yeah. quite. Um, quite alluring charms yeah um so he continues his search all the while kind of losing his mind piece by piece because no one will really talk to him and then finally uh he thinks he's found this this girl rowan uh he then discovers that 
he is going to be sacrificed inside uh, the titular Wicker Man, which is a massive, um, what is it, like a huge Guy Fawkes, not really a Guy Fawkes, an, um, an, it's a huge a pyre. It's a huge pyre that, in the shape of a man, and he is going to be the sacrifice because Summersile hasn't had a successful harvest for several years. Yeah, and they, they think don't that if they sacrifice him, everything will be fine. Yeah, so he started to suspect that they're sacrificing these girls. Yes, but, but he's they're wrong. Not, they're not stupid <laughs> enough to sacrifice their own people. No, no indeed. They, they've attracted a, a naive virgin to come to the island to be sacrificed yeah, for them. absolutely. And, and that, that's an important plot point there. He's, he's got to be a virgin. Um, so he gets put inside the Wicker Man and it gets lit on fire whilst Christopher Lee and his followers all cavort around. Christopher Lee is dressed up as a woman at this point. Um, isn't isn't it that Christopher Lee doesn't uh, really believe any yeah. of this stuff, but he lets them get on with it? Isn't that a thing? Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, he doesn't really believe it, but he's going along with it because maybe he doesn't want to be um, put in the Wicker Man. <laughs> I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, he just he's just keeping the peace, and he doesn't mind letting them do whatever they feel like. He's yeah. like the wealthy landowner. He owns the island, I think. He's something. Jacob Rees Mogg. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So he's amoral. Uh, He's at very, best. he's, he's extreme, yeah, at best, yeah, he's immoral. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I saw this on TV quite a few years ago. And again, in 2014, uh, there was a final uh, sort of restoration of the film. Uh, because uh, it was long believed that there was quite a lot of footage um, out in the, out in the world, somebody had a copy of the film um, featuring footage that, that was believed lost. Mm. Um, and that footage did indeed turn up. Oh, so it was 16 millimeter, and it was restored into the movie. So there is now a, a final cut of the film that was re- released in 2013. So it features the, the, um, the 35 millimeter print together with this 16 millimeter footage has been cut back into the film. Mm. So it's a little bit jarring when the 16 mil comes in, mm-hmm. but and is it really it, needed? Um, I'm not really sure if it did, but it is for complete. You know, it's for completists. You know, you can see what Robin Hardy was wanting to do from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, it had moderate success when it was released, um, but it really it disappeared into obscurity in the 1970s you know people weren't really all that interested in it but in 77 the american film magazine cine fantastique devoted a commemorative issue calling it the citizen kane of horror movies yeah, and that seems um, fair yeah i think it's fair yeah and it basically uh, you know it started to grow in stature after that and become mm-hmm. the cult that it is now mm-hmm. um and decades after its release, the film still receives positive reviews from critics, uh, with Rotten Tomatoes giving it a 90% fresh rating, mm-hmm. saying that it's subtle in thrills and chills. I'm not sure that it is subtle. I think it's, it's heavy not in the least in bit <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess it's the, the, central, the central scary thing is subtle in that it takes a long time for you to figure out what's going on. It does, and uh, they end by saying that the ending is both shocking and truly memorable. Yeah, it yeah, is. It, it, it really is. I mean, it, the ending is so shocking that you think, 
No, they can't do that. They can't possibly do that. Uh, oh, they are going to do it. Oh, they are doing it. <laughs> oh, they've done oh, it. Oh, wow. Oh, they've <laughs> the, done it. <laughs> I, the only thing I would say about the film is, wouldn't it be great if you could watch it without having seen the poster? Yes. So Which was, gives away the ending. <laughs> it was just a total shock. That would be... Yeah, absolutely. Better. Well, now we've um, ruined it for you as well, listener. Well, yeah. That's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, kind of. that's what it's for. Yeah, um, it's really good. Really go, really watch it. It's um, it has the 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 slow pace of an old film, but yes. on the other hand, that's kind of the point of it. It's supposed to be confusing and uncomfortable and stuff. Yeah, so but it's it another works. one uh, along with um, Nosferatu and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The running time of eighty seven minutes. Hmm. Which is very lean. Yeah. Yeah. Very lean indeed. Yeah, um, I, wouldn't, I, did, I wouldn't have said it felt short when I was watching it. No, I, I'm pretty sure some of the pacing isn't fantastic. But despite that, that one caveat, it is an outstanding piece of work. Yeah, but I mean, it's almost deliberate. That it's, it's painful. Yeah. Um, because yeah. That you're, you're living through it with him. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's um, you know, along with uh, a couple of other movies from this era that are also on the list, it, it, it's a singular piece of work from, you know, Robin Hardy, who I don't think, I'm trying to think if he ever made another movie other than this one. Um, but really, it's a case of, you know, what a movie to make. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, and there's a kind of richness to it um, that I think means that it, it should stand up if you watched it now. Yeah, definitely. Just seeing what else he made. He made four films. Uh, so The Wicker Man, a movie called The Fantasist in 1986. A movie called Forbidden Son in 1989 as writer. And then in 2011 made a movie called The Wicker Tree. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just going to see... That sounds like a sequel. Yeah, not yeah. It says it's kind of a sequel. Neither a sequel nor a remake. Intended mm. as a companion piece, which explores the same themes. The um, of course, we're what we're not mentioning is the remake of the Wicker Man. Oh, but we should talk about that now, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there was a. Um, I was going to see when it came out. Um. Not that this long is ago, a, was it? This is a film. No, not that long ago. I'm just having a look. Going back to the page, because I went to have a look at Robin Hardy's bio. 2006. Oh, it was oh remade. longer ago than I thought. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, by a, a director called Neil Laboot. Um, it's got old, what's his name in it? It starred Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, yeah. Going in to which, take his face. Uh, he oh. says, oh, man. <laughs> now, I'm a Nicolas Cage fan. Uh, he's made a lot of films. Um, not all of them good. No. And this is one of the not good ones. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Uh, in fact, it's, um, uh, it's one in which uh, there's a quote from this movie that I play on my radio show quite a lot. <laughs> which goes... How do you get burned? 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 
That's from the that's from the remake of The Wicker Man. Uh-huh. Um, um, have you seen it? I have seen it. Oh. Yeah, it's dreadful. I mean, it, it really is fun. dreadful. And it's I mean, like, awful. I'd, I'd like to watch it. It sounds bad enough. Well, you should you should watch it for completion. But it is mm. um, it is uh, it is beyond the pale bad. <laughs> Or it's not I even campy. It's not even cam- It's not even campy good. It's just beyond the pale bad. Right, right, right. Yeah, if I had eighty-seven minutes free, maybe I should just watch the Wicker Man again. I think you should. Yeah, the proper Wicker uh, Man. Yeah, I mean this remake is one hundred and two minutes long. Why? Why? Why does it have to be that long? Um, yeah, maybe I sh- maybe we should watch the Wicker Tree and then get back to our listener and tell tell them that would be interesting. Actually, I'd give that a go. Yeah, it seems unlikely somehow, but so yeah, the remake of the Wicker Man. I don't want to give it any more airtime, but I'll briefly say that uh, it's the action is transplanted to the Pacific Northwest of America, off the coast of Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. He goes to an island there. Is it? Essentially the same kind of plot, uh, but the island is uh, a matriarchal society led by Ellen Burstyn, a sister Summers Isle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the old uh, North Fair. Yeah, so that's the old... Um, that That's the plot, basically. And there's a thing at the end with bees, <laughs> which he says, not the bees, not the bees. You can find all of these little clips on YouTube if you want to and have a laugh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's rubbish. Fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Fifteen. Fifteen. Well, wow, that's not good. Which I don't think is the lowest scored movie that I've ever talked about. In fact, I think I've talked about stuff that's scored lower than that that I've quite enjoyed. <laughs> but The Wicker Man is garbage. We always said when we started the podcast we might do some films that we just gave a complete kicking to, but um, we've we found so many films we love. What you love that um yeah we haven't we haven't found time for giving films kickings, but no, and it it, it had some golden raspberry awards and nominations <laughs> uh, it um it lost out in the worst picture stakes to basic instinct two <laughs> which I'm not fair. sure how that happened because I didn't think that basic instinct two was that bad right, I haven't seen it uh uh Nicholas Cage didn't win worst actor. Uh-huh. Uh didn't win worst screenplay. Right. Uh didn't win worst remake or rip off. Um in fact it didn't win any of its worst of anything awards. So maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> if that's your criteria, then yeah. 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 Uh but it's rated twelve A, but I think it should be rated eighteen so the fewer pe- fewer people can see it, frankly. <laughs> X. X X. Um, right. so that's enough for that uh, those are your three movies listener shall we recap what they are do it Nosferatu from 1922 Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956 and from 1973 we got The Wicker Man listener are um, you excited for the next three well you should be because they're really you, good are they good <laughs> <laughs> yes. would you like to suggest films that ought to be on the list like Kathy did who mentioned that Scream ought to be on the list we'll yes, find out Kathy whether that, you're yeah. right uh, um, would you like to see. tell us that we're wrong about any of these films yeah please why do not, I mean yeah. yeah why not 
tweet, Facebook, comment on the blog. Especially comment on the blog. Yeah, but you can tweet us at the Good Robot Andes. At or you could is it? It's not the Good Robot. It's just Good Robot. Is Andes. it just Good no, Robot let Andes? Check. Let me um, check. Okay. I think it's Good Robot Andes. We don't even know our own Twitter handle. Or I don't. Yeah, Good Robot Andes on Twitter. Uh, you can also find our stuff on SoundCloud under Good Robot Andes, although only recent episodes because they don't give you much space. No, they don't. You can find you can find us on Facebook apparently, although I don't do Facebook. You can get the Good Robot Andes on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn. Um, it We're says everywhere. here you can get it. It says here you can get it on YouTube, but you can't because we gave up on you. YouTube. We it's did too much up, like yes. hard work. Too much hassle. Yeah. Also, we they yeah they treated us badly. They banned us. They did. Yeah, for no for reason. No, they thought we were pirating films because we had the name of a film mentioned in our thing. That's how clever their AI is. Yes. Maybe it should should be called AS, Artificial <laughs> Stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's sticking it to the man, that is. Yeah, that'll show them. <laughs> we'll be okay until, they, um, until the AI produces transcripts of our podcast because it gets good at British accents. Oh. Um, and then at that point, they'll destroy us because of, because of that sick burn. Yeah. Someone call a doctor. There's a burn victim. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the whole of Google. The whole of Google is the burn victim. <laughs> so yeah, the next three are... In fact, I'd say everything else on the list is indispensable. Yeah. We must be we must be getting past most of the dross now to the really good stuff. There is no dross. Look. Oh. <laughs> I'd say that... Um, the only descent that I've heard so far is for Gremlins. Yeah, I'd say that's right. I mean, some of these films, I think oh, everything except Gremlins, I would definitely say, deserves to be in the list. Whether I would have put it in the list is a different matter, because I'm not as well-versed in these films, so I would have chosen from a smaller set. But Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, we didn't do Why Does... Um, uh, hey. Why does the Wicker Man belong in the list? Oh, did we? We oh, know okay. why. We know why. Well, should we talk about it anyway? Go on, then. Go on. As we're here. Go on. Um, <laughs> we are here. The Wicker Man belongs on the list because it's yet another example of uh, a film that exists in kind of its it's kind of its own thing. Um, I can't really think of other films that are related to it or in the same kind of genre. As no. the Wicker Man, I'm, I'm sure somebody will take, you know, take me up on that, which is good because you know they might say, well, actually, there are other films that belong in this genre, but it seems to be one all of its own. Yeah, what um, is its genre? Uh, well, it's it, um, folk horror. I think I'm stealing somebody else's thing there, but I think uh, there is that. I mean, I suppose if we take the genre of the outsider coming into a situation and not really knowing what the hell is going on and then finding that they are the subject mm -hmm. of whatever the folks are wanting to do, there are other examples of that kind like of society. genre. Yeah, that's a good that's a good example. Maybe like yes. Mother? Uh, mother, yeah. Mother. Um, and also... Yeah, so can we call this paranoid... Yeah. Paranoia horror. I'd say, paranoid yeah, paranoid horror. paranoid horror. Paranoid android. 
Um, I suppose you could say that the Romero zombie movies kind of fall into that genre. Ordinary people who are kind of completely out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But it's not like who a creeping sense. <laughs> zombie, films, zombie films don't yeah. have a creeping sense that, that everyone else knows something you don't know like this does. And like yeah. society does. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think maybe Mother does fall into that. Kind of does a bit. Yeah, does paranoid horror. Also, um, yeah, paranoid horror. I think maybe some of quite a lot of Darren Aronofsky's output falls into mm. that category. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the exception maybe of Noah. Oh, Have I you seen Noah. Noah yet? I love Noah. It's fantastic, isn't it? I spoke to someone the other day who was like really disappointed about what. It. <laughs> Um, How could you be disappointed in it? It's nuts. I think they wanted it to be something other than what it was. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, if you t- if you bring your baggage of what you think it is going to be, then you might be disappointed. But yeah, I mean, I, it was nothing yeah. like what I thought it was going to be. But it it was yeah, it was fun. I it was incredible. It, it was fun, followed by extremely theologically challenging, but in a really crazy way. Yeah, really crazy, and. <laughs> With a really, with a really good supporting term from Ray Winston, who's an actor who, yeah. I think, is always playing Ray Winston, <laughs> and playing playing him well, but I thought he's he was right. really good. He's in good. That. In, he's good. Yeah. In that. But yeah, I, I yeah. actually think that I'll watch his name, who played Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Well cast. Like really good. Yeah, not, really well. Not cast. too annoying. Oh, that's what I was going to say about Wicker Man. Um, Wicker Man doesn't have a final girl. It has, no, it doesn't. A it has like man. a final, a final man, but but actually doesn't because he dies. So I wonder whether, um, I mean, the like we do see him in utter abject terror. So from the point of view of like his audiences don't like to see a man expressing that much terror. Well, he definitely does. Yeah. But he then maybe does, yeah. maybe because he's a man, it's all right to kill him. I don't know. I'm not really Would sure it's like right to kill anybody in a horror movie, but people do. Yeah get but i mean you know as the audience can accept it in a way that maybe we wouldn't accept it if like i know what you did last summer just ended with her being killed yeah okay yeah i mean the um i bet i I know what you did last summer is not in this list but i really like it (laughs) i'm not committing to that because i don't want to spoil anything yeah Um, yeah don't i think listener may have noticed by now that our list, the list that I've compiled is light on slasher movies. Right, right, okay, okay. Um, Maybe we can do slashers the, later. There are a couple, uh-huh, but uh-huh. it's light on them. Right, um, yeah. Well, they're uh, all the same. I think when we get to, the, yeah, I find that they are, but when we get to the end of the list, I'll talk about, you know, more in more detail about how I compiled it and, and why. That'd be cool. But I don't want to talk right. about it now, because I'll give away what's on it if I do that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we're, uh, yeah. we're drawing to a close. Let's uh, do some plugging. You can start. Okay, so I present a radio show on Glastonbury FM, uh, 107.1, in the Somerset Street. No, in the Glastonbury Street. <laughs> down the street. Area, down the street. Near the, down the Glastonbury, Glastonbury Street. <laughs> next to the Wells. I mean, if you're going to fluff it, I am going to come in. Okay, With you came in too early though. <laughs> in the Glastonbury Street and Wells area of Somerset, 
<laughs> I was reminded today, actually, I was listening to Como de Mayo, and mm-hmm. Mark Como was quoting Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. uh, which is a film not that very I am good. Underwhelmed by Hot yes, Fuzz, yes, not very good. Does feature the line by Nick Frost, "Bad Boys" or "Point Break." Which one do you want to watch? Bad Boys, Point Break. <laughs> um, yeah, so I present radio show on Glastonbury FM. Goes out between 6 and 7pm on a Thursday. That's uh, BST, uh, 6 and 7pm. It's a movie reviews. Well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's Europe slash London. Yes, Europe slash London, yeah. Is it London, Portugal, B- Dublin? Yeah, but it's not BST. It's only BST in the summer. Oh, yeah, of course it is, yeah. Um, it's so yeah, movie reviews. London, yeah, all right, all right. It was movie <laughs> reviews, <laughs> music. Um, talk about DVD picks. I sum up the local cinema listings. I occasionally have a live guest. In fact, I've got a book one in for this month to talk about releases that are coming out between now and Christmas, mm-hmm. or at least December. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at some DVDs. Talk about some stuff and nonsense. I plug this podcast on that show. So, strange loop, circular looping going on there. Uh, so there are there are podcast highlights of that movie mashup. No camel case, no caps. Find them on iTunes. I think they're on Stitcher as well. You can grab it on iTunes. You can also listen to it live over the internet, even yeah. if you're not on Glastonbury Street or down the wells. Yes, and uh, if you listen live, you get all the music, which is mm. usually awesome. I peaked early this week though. Oh because I played uh, the opening track was um, oh what's it called um, <laughs> something something 110th Street from Jackie Brown by Bobby Womack which is cracking right, right. 110th Street that one it's really good <laughs> yeah. we're privileged to get a little bit of singing yes you are that's it though yeah. that's my well plugging. that was short, probably short <laughs> enough that we don't need to um Get permission. Oh, across 110th Street is what it's called. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, yeah, and the music's all picked by you. There's no playlist. It's just no, straight I compile, out of your cool I compile brain. the whole thing every week. It's amazing. It's it fun. must be a lot of work. Um, yeah, it's a bit of work, but it's very rewarding. Cool. Um, I always imagine. I just, I just finished my plugging. Is that? Uh. I'm 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 told that when you're presenting a radio show you should imagine one person and what they're doing at the time and you know do the show to them right okay and and I imagine uh because uh one evening I came in to do the show and somebody was I oh know I just finished the show and somebody was waiting to go on to the next show and they said oh I always listen to your show I really like it I listen when I'm doing the washing up uh-huh. and I thought I said thank you very much and now I imagine that I am playing to that gentleman doing his washing up so there you go well that's 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 good for the, for all of us but slightly creepy for him yeah, yeah yes probably yeah <laughs> he's probably like I wish I hadn't told him that now <laughs> yeah and uh, anyway. he's probably probably listening to this because he plugged it on there so nightmare yeah, and he's like, oh, no, now everybody knows I listen to him doing the washing up. <laughs> Does he do the washing up naked? He didn't He didn't specify. Is that how you imagine I'm happy. It? No. Okay. 
Can you do some plugging now? <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, some plugging for me. Uh, yeah, I um, yeah, I'm. Uh, you know my my game Rabbit Escape. I I may have plugged before this this game called Rabbit Escape, which is an Android and also PC game. You can download for free. You can get it on the Android store, um, where you have to help rabbits. Uh, Get through little mazes by giving them abilities. It's it's a ripoff of Lemmings, if that means anything to you. Um, it's great fun. It's got hundreds of levels. It's really good. Um, we uh, one of the fun things about it is making new levels for it. So I've been working on a new level editor. Well, uh, the level editor is kind of you know not exactly done, but um, it works. Um, but what I'm working on now is a like a web forum where you can stick your levels up there and people comment on them and then if they're good they'll get in the game and it's where you can discuss other people's levels and find new levels that are fun and so on um so watch this space that'll be happening soon cool and that sounds really exciting as, as part of that i'm learning the newest version of elm which is uh, elm 0.19 which is a programming language which is really fun i'm really enjoying that so watch this space i might make some youtube videos about elm because i'm getting excited about elm again Excellent. That sounds cool. So that's all that plugging for things that you can't get yet. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, you know, things that are coming up. Hashtag yeah, yeah, get coming involved. soon. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Uh, right okay. now, you can play Rabbit Escape. You can make levels for it. It's fun. Rabbit Escape. Rabbit Escape. Rabbit Escape. And that is the universal signal for... We've finished the podcast. Yes, we have finished. Yeah, my wife is <laughs> saying, "When are you finished?" <laughs> I think Any now. time now, listener. <laughs> we really, we really, we, again, we're really sorry, and uh, we'll see you next time. Never apologise. <laughs> Too late. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. See you.